You guys can have a seat. And as you do that, I want to start today off with a little bit of a confession for you guys. And that's this. I am awful with children. I think there are a couple of you guys who are on, the, on board with me on that. Seriously, until about nine weeks ago, all you had to do was hand me an infant and I'd stiffen up like a board, eyes wide in terror, as if you had just handed me a bomb, because it's only a, a matter of minutes before this thing goes off, right? I, th- I think some of my worst experiences with children uh, came during the summers that I was a lifeguard uh, in high school. And there was this one summer in particular that these boys would come in every day, and no matter how many times I told them not to, they would continue to dive into the shallow end of the pool. Very unsafe, and it's my job to make sure that they don't do that. And I'd tell them, and they'd keep doing it. I'd tell them they'd keep doing it. So one day, I was fed up, and I decided it was time for me to adopt a more aggressive terror tactic uh, to scare these boys into obedience. So I called them over to my lifeguard stand and quite bluntly informed them that if they dive into the pool again, they will hit their heads on the bottom, break their neck, and die. (laughs) I was known as the mean lifeguard that summer. But how many guys are with me on this, that no matter how hard you try, you're just awkward and uncomfortable with kids? Show of hands, who are those people in this room? This is surprisingly few people again. Well, okay, so keep your hands up if that's you. If there are any kids in the room, look around, find those people with their hands up, and then after service, kick them in the shin. Uh, Not me, them, not me. But I just needed to get that off my chest. I'm not very good with kids. Now, a little bit more about me. My name is John Wilson, and I'm the children's pastor here at Element Church. (laughs) So a little bit more on that one later. But I want to welcome you here this morning, whether you're joining us here in the auditorium uh, or if you're joining us via video, whether you're out in the lobby or uh, the cafe or if you're going to be joining us later this week. I want to thank you guys for being with us here at Element Church today. Now, as you would expect... When you give the children's pastor the pulpit, you're going to get a sermon about kids. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised. Last week, Pastor Steve, our outreach pastor, was up here and he preached on outreach. And then when Pastor Brennan, our youth pastor, is up here, he preaches on the youth. So it's not completely unsurprising uh, that we are going to come at you guns a-blazing with our pet ministry, trying to convince you that it is the best ministry. So cards on the table. This morning, it is my goal to convince you that children's ministry is the best ministry. And yeah, in the words of Pastor Jeff Manis, can I get a witness up in here, right? (laughs) Kids ministry is where this is at. Now, I think a little clarification is necessary at this point. Uh, My confession that I'm bad with kids, that's only half true. Uh, That's kind of just what I told myself for the longest time so that I could get away with ignoring kids and not really giving them the time of day. Uh, But now it's kind of my job to be good with kids, so I can't say that anymore. Um... But my real confession is that I used to think I was really bad with kids. And even now, I still kind of, I'm still a little bit awkward. But just this year, God has been revealing to me his heart for kids. And in the process, he's been working on my own heart. And I want to share some of that with you guys this morning. So today we're going to look at one of my favorite scripture passages uh, and dig into this idea, uh, dig deeper into this idea about how God loves kids and is calling them. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. That'll be our main scripture today. If you don't have a physical copy of the Bible, we would love to give you one. So after service, go to the guest services desk and we will give you a physical copy of the Bible entirely for free. That's our gift to you. We just want you to have one in your hands. Now, a little bit about this passage. Uh, This passage is where God calls the boy Samuel to be his priest. Now, Samuel, as a a guy, he's he's one of these larger-than-life characters in the Old Testament, one of these super faithful, like, heroes of the faith. But we're actually jumping in the story when he's just a kid. 
and the time when God calls him to the ministry. And just the fact that God called Samuel when Samuel was a child brings me to our big idea for today, and that's this, that God is calling our kids. Now, there's, there's an element of duh to that. Like, of course, God is calling our kids, but there should also be an element of reverence and amazement that God is calling our kids. Now, I use the word our here intentionally. It's, it's easy to assume that sermons about kids are only going to be directed at parents of kids. But as a single guy myself with no children, uh, I think we need to widen that lens a little bit more. And I actually think now would be a good time to pause and recognize that there are people in the room today or out in the lobby, people who are watching this, who for whatever reason aren't able to have children or they've lost children of their own. And, and this has actually affected my own family And so I understand just a little bit of the pain of what it might be like to sit through a sermon about kids when you don't have children of your own. So I really want to acknowledge that and let you know that my heart breaks for you. And that when I say our children, I'm not talking about biological children. I'm talking about the kids here at Element Church. The kids here that God has entrusted into our care to be spiritual mothers, fathers, aunts, uncles, sisters, and brothers here too. Those are the kids I'm talking about, and they are ours even if they aren't ours biologically. So if it's true that God is calling our kids, that brings me to this question, how is God calling our kids? How is God calling our kids? Because if, it, if it's true that God, the Almighty, the creator of the universe, the commander of armies of angels, the king over all, if that God is calling our little vulnerable children, then I want to know what that looks like. And I think that the story of 1 Samuel gives us a little bit of insight into that. So a little background to where we are at in this particular moment of the story. At the beginning of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're introduced to a woman named Hannah who is unable to have children. So one day she's, she's obviously very distressed about this and she goes to the tabernacle, which is essentially the same thing as the temple. And there she pours out her heart in prayer to God, begging God for a child. And she's praying so fervently, so passionately that the priest, Eli, mistakes her for a drunken woman. And Hannah uh, puts him straight, lets him know what's actually going on, how she's praying for a child. And so Eli blesses her, prays for her, and then sends her on her way. And over the course of time, God answers Hannah's prayer, and she conceives, and she has a son, and she names him Samuel, the the hero of our story. Now, a fun fact about the name Samuel, we really actually, we clean it up a lot in English. In Hebrew, the the language that Hannah spoke and the the language that the Old Testament is written in, the name Samuel is actually pronounced Shmuel. Now, that is a hideous name. Like, (laughs) Hannah had her beautiful baby boy and in love named him Shmuel. That's like, that word is up there with moist and seepage as words that you just don't say, right? Try saying it with me. Just try saying it. Shmuel. Shmuel. Yeah. Now, if you're here this morning and your name is Samuel, you are so welcome. And if you go by Sam, we're just going to call you Shmoo from here on out. That's all right. Uh, I'm actually with you in this. My middle name is, you guessed it, Shmuel. But that is totally not the point of today's message. You can just tuck that away for jeopardy. Uh, But I want to read for us what Hannah did once she actually had weaned Samuel. So Samuel's a couple months to a year old, and she goes back to the tabernacle. She finds Eli, and she says, Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. 
Now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life, and they worship the Lord there. So how does God call our children? God calls kids through us. God calls kids through us. In this passage, Hannah takes her special son and gives him back to the Lord. She realizes that it is God who ultimately gave her this child. And so she dedicates Samuel to be brought up in the fullness of the Jewish tradition. Now here in Element Church, we have a special ceremony that's very similar to this. It's actually based off of this passage of scripture called baby dedications, where parents can come and, and stand with their young children before the whole church and proclaim before everybody that they commit to raising up their child in the way of, of, of the Lord, in, in the fullness of the Christian faith, and they dedicate their child to God. Now when Hannah dedicated Samuel to the Lord, she literally dropped him off at the temple and left him to be raised by Eli the priest. Here at Element Church, we have a different policy. Uh, we prefer that you actually take your children home with you afterwards. But all this goes to show that it is primarily through us that God calls children to himself. And this message is all over scripture, not just here in 1 Samuel, it's all throughout the Bible. Let me read just a handful of the passages. We have Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7, where it says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Now, Proverbs 22, 6, this is a really popular one. Train children in the right way, and when old, they will not stray. We have Ephesians 6, 4. Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And all these passages aren't even to mention the various passages that encourage children to obey their parents. I think the passages that a lot of parents in here really enjoy. But all those passages come with the assumption that parents and adults are teaching children something worth obeying, following God. Now, it's because of people who understood this fact that it's primarily through us, through adults, that God calls children, that many of us are actually in here today. Because there were adults in our lives who took the time to reach out to us when we were kids and share with us who Jesus is. Now, I've been the children's pastor here at Element Church for going on 10 weeks, and the first couple of weeks that, that I was here in this role, I decided I would go interview our volunteers, asking them who some of the, the key players were in their faith development as a child. I wanted us as a team to remember the adults who were fundamental in forming our faith and sharing, us, uh, sharing with us who Jesus was when we were just kids. And I heard some amazing stories. I heard of Miss Latanya, who led Sunday worship at the AME Church, and who instilled in children a love for God and a love for music. And I heard of, of Father Briggs, who guided the children who were altar servers, in the, altar servers in the Episcopalian Church, comforting their fears that they would somehow mess up the whole service. But then I also heard of people like Miss Florence, David, Pastor Jack, Pastor Tony, Miss Trudy, Miss Carrie, and Shelley, and Jim, and in my own life, it brought back memories of Dennis and Mary Ryder, Miss Tanya, and Miss Mitzi. Now, these are just a handful, the names of a handful of the men and women who took seriously the fact that God wants to make himself known to children and that he primarily does that through us adults. And God wants to continue that chain so that what we have received, we pass down to the next generation, raising them up in the way of the Lord as well, because we are God's plan A for reaching children. Now, I know that for many of us here, we, we, don't have, we didn't have adults like that when we were growing up. 
Nobody took the time to tell you about God. Or maybe if they did, it was done in an angry, abusive, manipulative manner, and that inspires your own unbelief today. Nobody told you about God in a way that was winsome or attractive. And if that's you, if, if you are here and maybe you walked away from the faith that you had learned as a child because it just didn't click, or maybe you never heard about God, or maybe you're unsure about this whole Christianity thing, we're super glad that you're here today. Like, I want you guys to know that Element Church can be your home as well. Whether or not you believe the same thing as us, Element Church is your home, and we love having you here. But understand that is the case for a lot of people. Nobody took the time to show you God when you were a child. And that actually takes us to the next chunk of scripture. And we're going to pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, our main passage for today. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Shmuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So this is actually the New Living Translation of the Bible. This is what we, we use here at Element Church. I want to read this last verse, verse 7, for us from the English Standard Version of the Bible. It puts it a little differently, and it says this. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. This very verse is one of the main reasons that I am in kids' ministry today. Because think about what it's telling us about Samuel. Here we have this boy who grew up in the church, so to speak. He was raised by a pastor. He literally slept next to the Ark of the Covenant, the holiest relic in all of ancient Judaism, yet the word of the Lord had never been revealed to him. What was Eli doing? As we just talked about, it's primarily through us that God calls children, through people like Eli. Yet Eli, was tasked with, uh, Eli, who was tasked with Samuel's spiritual upbringing, had never bothered to introduce Samuel to God. And that got me thinking. What if there are Samuels in our midst today? What if there are our children who call Element Church their home? but they do not know about this God that we gather to worship week in and week out. Now, don't get me wrong. I firmly believe in eKids, our children's ministry here at Element Church. I believe that it does awesome things. Every week we see children growing in their knowledge and understanding of who God is, of who Jesus is, and we've got an awesome team of dedicated volunteers who every week pour into these kids, showing them who Jesus is. But it still made me think there might still be a Samuel. What if there is a kid who somehow can grow up in the church and is still glossed over, ignored, never taken seriously, and as a result, the day they graduate from high school is the day they graduate from this church? This verse revealed to me the urgency of our calling as adults to see to it that we are doing our part to lead children to Christ. 
But in this verse, I also see a little ray of hope. And that brings us to our second point. God calls kids without us. God calls kids without us. Despite the fact that Samuel had been under Eli's care for as many as nine or ten years, and despite the fact that Eli, the priest, never taught Samuel about this God he was serving, and despite the fact that Eli failed in his responsibility to raise up Samuel in dedication to the Lord, despite all of Eli's human weaknesses, God still called out for the boy. This child who had been overlooked by his priest, God hadn't overlooked him. And that is great news. That is great news for us who have been entrusted with caring for God's little ones because let's be honest, the job is hard. So often we fail to be the adults that children need us to be. And we all we know that God calls kids through us, we inevitably fall short. Yet God is going to continue to reach kids, gently calling them Samuel, Samuel. Now, Jesus actually gives us a story about this in Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verse 12 is where I'm picking up. He says this, What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. Now you may be thinking, oh yes, this is the parable of the lost sheep. This is a great story about how God seeks after those people who are lost. He pursues the people who are far away from him. But let me read for you the next verse, uh, what Jesus says in the very next verse, verse 14. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any one of these little ones should perish. Did you catch that? In the Gospel of Matthew, the parable of the lost sheep is about children, not adults. The parable of the lost sheep is about a God who goes out finding that one lost child, that child who somehow slipped through the cracks. And when he finds that kid, he rejoices. He celebrates to bring him back into the herd. God is chasing our kids, whether we are or not. And so while we are God's plan A, he won't be thwarted if we screwed up. But there is actually a deeper truth here, and that's that if we are going to do our part in reaching kids for Christ, God has to be in it. God has to be in it because when we consider the monumental task that we are called to, to somehow show this magnificent God that we worship to little children, we realize that we are utterly incapable of doing it on our own. That God calls kids through us and that he calls kids without us are actually two sides of the same coin. Because even if we aren't like Eli, even if we dedicate our entire life to reaching out to kids, showing them the love of Christ, leading them to love God, God still fills in the gaps where we simply cannot go, or where sometimes we will not go. God calls kids through us, and even while we're doing that, God is calling kids without us. And this was dramatically displayed to me in my own life. It was Easter time in the year 2000, and I was six years old. And with that statement, I made a bunch of you guys feel super old. 
But that year, my mom took my older two siblings and I down to a mega church in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where they were putting on a massive Easter cantata. For those of you who don't know, Easter cantata is just a big fancy term for Bible musical. And uh, this Easter cantata in Fort Wayne, it was called The Living Cross. And to put it in Cheyenne terms, it was the daddy of them all. It was absolutely awesome. They had a uh, multi-story set. They had live camels and donkeys coming through. They had enough pyrotechnics to light up the stage with the fire of hell. And they even had a fire truck in the parking lot, just in case things got out of hand. And their casting was absolutely superb. Like one of the number number one rules when you cast an Easter cantata is that Satan has to be bald. And Satan was super bald, so that felt good. And then Jesus obviously has to have the, the long, shaggy hair and the beard, right? And so Jesus looked like that, except uh, given, the, given the style limitations of the year 2000, this guy who played Jesus looked a lot less like our imagination of Jesus and more like Al Borland. Um, but it was still awesome, this entire massive production. And there I was, six years old, in the very front row, soaking it all in. And it was actually during this Easter cantata that I put my faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins and for life eternal with him forever. And I remember it clearly. I still remember it. During one song near the beginning of the cantata, Jesus actually came off the stage and went into the audience. And he came right up in front of me, knelt down in front of me, put his hand on my shoulder, looked me in the eyes, and smiled. Now, it was, it was just a brief moment before he moved on to the next person, but it was enough. Because in that moment, I realized that I was the one lost sheep that Jesus left the 99 for. He came to find me. Now, God was definitely working through adults at that time in my life. I mean, my mom brought me down to this Easter cantata, and this, this volunteer who played Jesus some, for some reason singled me out to show me the love of Christ. But at the same time, God was also working without them. He was moving in my heart, showing me his love for me and calling me to follow him for the rest of my life. So while it is sad that Eli failed in his responsibility to tell Samuel about God, The story brings us the good news that God is not at all dependent on us to reach kids. As a matter of fact, it's the other way around. We are utterly, helplessly dependent upon him to see our children come to know him. So how does God call children? He calls them through us. He calls them without us. And as we'll see in this last bit of the story, God calls kids for us. God calls kids for us. For us. I'm picking up again in verse 8. So the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, Go and lie down, and if someone calls again, say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, Speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all of my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons, his sons are also priests, his sons are blaspheming God and he has not disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. Samuel stayed in bed until morning, then got up and opened the doors of the tabernacle as usual. 
He was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord had said to him. But Eli called out to him, Samuel, my son. Here I am, Samuel replied. What did the Lord say to you? Tell me everything, and may God strike you and even kill you if you hide anything from me. Okay, so we're seeing that Eli, Eli might not be the best priest, uh, but I think he would make a really good lifeguard. <laughs> so Samuel told Eli everything. He didn't hold anything back. It is the Lord's will, Eli replied. Let him do what he thinks best. And what I love about this passage is that when God calls Samuel, he doesn't give him some chintzy, cheesy little kid message that you think God would give a kid like, I love you, Samuel, or be a good boy, Samuel. No, he lays it in thick. He has got a massive message for Eli and his sons, and for some reason, God believes that Samuel is the right messenger for it. And this shows us that maybe God has something to tell us, and the best way for him to tell us is through children. Could it be that God is calling children for our own benefit, that God calls kids for us? Now, if you were to ask any one of the eKids volunteers, I think they would agree with me that this actually is the case. God gives kids messages for us. Even though as teachers and helpers, our volunteers are tasked with with teaching children about God, sometimes it goes the other way around, and a kid will have some incredible wisdom or insight from their childlike faith that they actually teach the adult volunteers. Now, thankfully, uh, no kid has yet come to me with a message like Samuel's, uh, that God has judgment stored up for me and that he's going to run me out of town or something like that. But they still come with some great insights. And here are just a few that I've collected over the past couple of weeks that I want to share with you to show about how God has messages for us and his, his children are our messengers. A few weeks ago, a kid named Sebastian wrote some questions down on the back of his worksheet. Uh, he's in fifth or sixth grade, and he, he left them for the adult volunteers to look through afterwards and answer some of those questions for them. And here are just a few, just my two favorite of of the handful of questions that he had. They're this. Number one, are we his sheep or just strays? The second question he asked is, am I a follower or a watcher? Holy smokes. (laughs) Formulating answers to those questions really called me to, to consider my own life. Am I following Jesus or am I just standing at a distance watching him do his thing while I do mine? Now, another kid in that same classroom, fourth, fifth, sixth grade boy, once asked an adult volunteer, if Jesus is so big on helping the needy, why do we ignore homeless people on the street? That's a shot to the gut. As this kid, this child, has a better understanding of Jesus' love for people than many of us adults do. And here he is calling us to reevaluate how we are living our Christian life. Now, don't worry, not all kids will grill you on your theology. Uh, Sometimes they just come with with some witty remarks or incredible insight. Uh, For example, we were recently teaching in our four to five-year-old class about how God makes us brave, using the story of Queen Esther as our example. And one of the volunteers was leading a discussion group of a bunch of kids, and a little boy asked, if God made us all different, How can we all be the same brave? And that's just like a quintessential little kid question. Uh, But before the volunteer could respond, another little boy named Brayden piped up and said, God made us all different so we can be our own special kind of brave. Chew on that one for a while. Now in the same class, this class that we're talking about being brave in, a little girl named Kensington decided that it would be fun to try to scare me. 
And the first time she actually succeeded. She scared me pretty good. And she giggled and politely informed me, you know, you're not very brave. (laughs) Ouch. But later that week, I actually had to go into a tough conversation uh, that I I was really reluctant to go into. I didn't want to face it. But in the back of my head, all I could hear was little Kensington taunting me, you're not brave, you're not brave. And of course, I had to prove her wrong, right? But in reality, she reminded me that just as we're trying to teach these children that God makes us brave, that same lesson applies to me. These lessons that we're teaching our kids, they reflect them right back to us. And so there are many ways that God uses children to actually bring his message to us. Sometimes they're big messages like Samuel's or Sebastian's, and sometimes they're just funny, silly little little sayings like, like Braden or Kensington. But in all of these, we see that God calls children for us. I want to circle back around to that big idea we hit at the beginning, that God is calling our kids. We see that he calls kids through us, using us adults as instruments to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to children. He also calls them without us. He fills in the gaps where we fail. He's always pursuing that one lost child, never giving up, making up for our weaknesses. And he calls kids for us, sending mere children to reveal us more of who God is. There's another way I think we could wrap up this big idea, and that's this. We are all children's pastors. This whole room, everyone in here, we are all children's pastors. If there is a child in your life, whether that's your own child, a grandchild, a niece, a nephew, a kid on your little league team, a kid in your classroom, or just a random child that you run across in the aisle at the grocery store, if there is a child in your life, God is calling you to show that child the love of Christ and to be a pastor to that kid. And in the meantime, that kid might inspire you with their own simple childlike faith. We are all children's pastors. And so I want to give us some practical next steps about how we can step into this calling and be obedient to God in this embracing our role as children's pastors. Now as a church, you guys sponsor over 275 children through Compassion International. If you don't know what Compassion International is, it's a worldwide relief organization that uh, helps kids Uh, They release kids from poverty in Jesus' name. So for $38 a month, you can sponsor one of these children. They will have uh, education, food, clothing, and this kid will hear the gospel message. And it's just an awesome way for these kids to, first of all, leave poverty, and secondly, to hear this awesome news of Jesus Christ. And there are over 275 kids sponsored through Element Church. So if that's you, if you sponsor one of these kids, take that relationship seriously. Think about the power that you have to influence this child's life for Christ. Pray for them regularly. Send them regular encouraging notes, reminding them of your love for them, but also God's love for them. Now, one huge step you could take is to volunteer in eKids or the Fusion Student Ministry, uh, our youth group as well. I'm definitely going to encourage eKids over student ministries because I have my own axe to grind. Um, but if you join eKids, you can be actively involved in the faith development of children. You can join our team of volunteers who every week are dedicated to pouring out for these kids, showing them the love of Christ. And, and if you're worried that you won't fit in eKids, that you're not good with kids, uh, look at the moron that they put in charge of it. So I think you can find a home there. There's, 
There's not just teaching positions. You don't have to be up front. There are helper positions uh, helping out at the sign-in station or even coming in during the week to help out with administrative tasks. But this is an awesome opportunity for you to step up and to reach out for kids with the love of Christ. And so if that sounds like something you would like to do, you can go to the Next Steps wall and sign up at the computers there. Or you can actually go back into the Eat Kids lobby where we have a table signed up and some volunteers would love to just find a way to connect you into the Eat Kids ministry. But maybe Compassion International, maybe E-Kids aren't, aren't the best next steps for you. But maybe you have a kid in E-Kids, and the proper thing for you to do, your next step, is to partner with your child and what they're actually learning on Sundays during these service times. So go through that take-home worksheet with them. Uh, try and memorize the weekly Bible verse with them. Do what it takes to demonstrate to your child that you take seriously your responsibility to pour into them. Ask them what they learned in class. Or better yet, ask them to teach you what they learned in class. Now maybe the next step for you is to simply make your faith more of a priority at home so that you actively live out your faith so when your children see you, they know what a life of following Christ looks like. That might look like things like praying together before a meal, whether that's you or your kids praying, or or reading the Bible together as a family, or going through on the YouVersion Bible app, do a devotional with your teenager, or use the Bible app for kids for your younger children. There are many different resources out there for you to partner with your child, and partner with God in reaching your child, and taking your faith seriously at home. Now regardless, regardless of what your next step is, I know that for all of us, myself included, one of the biggest next steps is that we need to view children in an entirely new light. You can't go through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, without seeing how much Jesus loves children. And he's calling us to demonstrate that same love. Whether it's your own child or just a child in the grocery store, that could be a divine moment where just in one minute you affirm this child, letting them know how much they are loved, letting them know that they matter. And just in that minute, God could work incredible things in that child's life. All of us need to reevaluate how we view the children in our lives. Because every child we encounter is an opportunity to demonstrate the love of Jesus. God is calling our children. And we have the opportunity to step up as children's pastors and be a part of this. Because God is calling kids through us. He's calling kids without us, even when we fail. And more often than not, he's also calling kids for us. Sharing a little bit about himself with us through these children. I want to pray for us really quick to close out, and then afterwards, actually, if you'll sit still for a second, I just have a couple announcements for you, and then we will get out of here. Father God, I pray that you would raise up your people to raise up your little people. We firmly believe, Lord, that children are at the center of your heart, and as as such, they should be at the center of our hearts too. So God, convict us and convince us to step up into this role, to reach children with your love. Father God, I thank you for eKids. I thank you for the eKids service that's going on right now. I pray for those children that you would open up their hearts to receive the word. I pray for the volunteers that you would give them stamina and endurance and let them know that what they do matters. And Father God, most importantly, I thank you for the way that Element Church already demonstrates your love for kids through eKids, through Fusion, through the Back to School Bash, through all these different outreach events, Lord. 
I thank you so much that you are already showing us how much you love kids. So Father, I just pray that you would raise us up to reach out for kids. Lord God, I love this church. I thank you so much for everyone here today and for the people who aren't able to make it. I thank you for Element Church. Lord God, I pray that you would keep us safe and that you would bring us back safely next week. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Really quickly, if you are a first-time guest, we would love to meet with you in the living room. If you have kids as a first-time guest, use that fast pass to check your kids out of eKids quickly, and then you can get to the living room. We'd like to just meet with you, answer your questions, and give you a gift just to thank you for being with us here today. And then lastly, if you have anything on your heart that you, you want prayer for, we have an incredible team of volunteers that meets in the purple tent at the back of the auditorium. They're there to, to meet with you, to pray over anything that might be on your heart. So if that's you, you can head back there after service. That's all I've got for you guys. Thank you so much. I love you, and I will see you next week.